0: This is a show about content marketing for established course creators. Unlike other shows about marketing, we focus on sustainable, measurable content creation, how to authentically automate your marketing to build up your know, like, and trust factor with a nurtured, engaged audience, and get back to actually living your life instead of working to live. Hey, hey, friends. I am so excited to let you know we are starting a new series on the podcast. Or should I say continuing? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, it is called Shiny Happy Tactics. And I was inspired because so many times I hear about certain tactics that gurus out there are preaching. And I just want to kind of stand up and shake the online business world and be like, yo, online business world, just because someone says this worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Real talk, there's lots of reasons something might not work for you, right? what you're doing could be wonderful already and not needing changes. Or someone else's situation is so vastly different than yours that just because that tactic worked really well for their business does not mean it's repeatable for your business, even if it's repeatable for others. And this series is really meant to kind of start poking the bear a little bit and saying, this tactic has worked for a lot of people or it's been preached for a very long time, but it doesn't work for me. Instead, I found another way and here it is. So this was inspired because I looked at my podcast stats over the last six months. Yes, I promise when I talk about measuring data, I do it to myself as well. And the episodes that have been the most shared and the most popular as a result are the ones where we've already kind of started doing this and said, hey, I like doing it this way. It works really well for me because of this. You could do it because of this, but it might not work for you because of that. There's nuance here. I can't wrap something up in a pretty box and give that box to everyone and have it be received in the same way. Just like giving a present to your mother might be received one way, but giving it to your mother-in-law might be received in a very different way. So with that said, we are hopping into that series. I'm so excited and look for more to come. Today, we're going to be talking about niching and Specifically, we're going to be talking about the difference between specializing and niching and how Natalie Eckdahl came to the realization that those are two separate things. And when you put them together, that is when you get your instant yes offer for your instant yes business. I'm so excited about this episode because Natalie goes there. She goes deep with me. We talk about really nuanced topics, which is frankly kind of my favorite thing to share with you on the show. A little bit about Natalie. Natalie Ekdahl helps consultants, marketers, and financial professionals build an enduring business through her longstanding podcast, BizChicks, and her group coaching program and courses. Her family of five transplanted themselves from Southern California to Eastern Tennessee a few years ago and are enjoying country life in a small mountain town on 13 forested, holy cow, my jealous, acres. And also fun for, you know, I love chickens, Christmas brought them 38 baby chicks. so. All of that said, I can't wait to dive into this episode. Let's do it. Natalie, welcome to the No Like and Trust Show.
1: Thank you, Brittany. I am so excited to be here. Yes, I am
0: excited because I have talked with, well, let's just say a good fair number of, of entrepreneurs, online business owners, uh, whether they fall into like the visionary CEO category or more of like the I'm a solopreneur totally on my own. And... This topic that we're going to talk about comes up pretty frequently. And I found that I can sometimes be at odds with people on this topic. So I'm I'm curious to hear kind of how you approach the whole idea of defining a niche and just choosing what you want to be known for.
1: Well, the main thing is we don't want to be interchangeable in the marketplace. So we don't want to be seen as like a commodity. So the way I approach it, well, first of all, I had to realize what's the difference between specializing and niching because for a long time when I listen back to it, so I host the BizChicks podcast. I've had it since 2014. And if you go back and listen, you'll hear me use those terms interchangeably until about two years ago when I sat down and really thought about what I meant by each of them. And so we specialize by the work that we do. It's the, it's the, what you do. And we niche by the who. So that is where the, the niche is either the industry or the size of company or the size of team that you would be targeting or working with. And when you combine the two, it's what I call a specialized niche. And I consider that an automatic yes business. You are a expert in what you do. It's, it's very narrow and very few other people are in that space. And so there's very little competition. Thus you can charge higher prices.
0: I want to backtrack real quick, because I think you said something really important there. You made a point of saying that at one point, and for a while, actually, you used those terms fairly fairly interchangeably. And then a couple of years ago, you were like, hey, I've been doing this for a while. There's a difference here. And from my perspective, what I'm hearing is you've been doing this work for a long time. And as you've gotten better at what you do, better at helping the people that you serve, you've realized that there are some, some very nuanced Differences here, and and like that's like thought leadership gold from my perspective.
1: Thank you. Well, it actually comes. I have to give credit where credit is deserved. So I have a team member, Elizabeth Cook, and she coaches with me in um, our group coaching program, which is for coaches or for consultants, marketers, and financial professionals. And Elizabeth listens to all of my work, which is amazing. And whenever I do coaching calls with clients, she listens to those. And now she often co-hosts on my podcast with me as well. And so she is very detail oriented and I'm more of a visionary. And so she will call me out on things every once in a while, not publicly, but she'll be like, so Natalie, um, what is the difference between these two? And so she is the one that asked me and I appreciated it so much because it caused me to really think about what, what was the difference and why. And it's not just me. Like if you start now that we've put this out there and it's in our, in our head, you're going to hear people, use it differently. I, I wish we could, all of us who teach on this could all agree to call it this, like this is specializing, this is niching, this is a specialized niche. And so that we would be teaching in line. Cause I really feel like it's, it's a pretty great explanation of it. Uh, but yeah, so she really helped me and, uh, and it led to a whole training that I've created for my clients and, um, refreshing trainings that I had before that were somewhat similar, but not as deep. and uh, that's what you said is like thought leadership. Once you start to specialize or niche or combine the two, you start to become an expert in what you're talking about. And that is when you, it leads to thought leadership where you can speak as an authority and then attract people to you through your thought leadership.
0: I love that. I mean first of all that you have such a good working relationship that you have someone who's willing to call you out because everyone needs that. <laughs>
1: you know. I appreciated it. Yeah. It's okay
0: for us as as people who are doing teaching to adjust our teaching. Yes. You know, we 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 all make realizations. Like no one's perfect when we start. So we we have to come to these places where we can say, "Hey, I have more clarity on this now than I used to." And, and yeah, maybe that means we have to go back and, and redo a few trainings from the past, but going forward, it's going to be so much more of an easy yes for that person who's looking for that exact specialty that you offer.
1: Yes. It feels a bit terrifying initially because you are limiting the pool of people that can work with you and your brain will tell you, don't do that. Don't shrink the, you know, instinctually you don't want to do it. But what happens is the more you specialize or niche and narrow down and really attracting and repelling, we need to be re- repelling a whole lot of people. When you start attracting your ideal client, everything becomes easier and it, it makes you extremely referable because you are the person that does that. And an example I have is I know a lot of people that do social media marketing. So they're social media experts. And if you or anyone asked me for um, a referral, I have, I could list right now, like 30 different people that I've either worked with in the past as my clients. I worked with them. I was their client. I wouldn't know who to refer you just on that. It's too general. Most of the clients I work with that are marketers end up specializing on a platform. And then sometimes they niche by a industry or a size of company. And so if you were then to say, so my platform of choice is LinkedIn, that's where I hang out and that's where most of my clients hang out. So if someone was to say, I'm looking for help on LinkedIn, my list of 30 has now been narrowed to about three or four that specialize in LinkedIn. And then if you were to say LinkedIn ads, that would be one person. If you were to say, you know, this type of industry, like professional services or product that again, shrinks it. So then we're down from 30 to like one, two or three people.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's brilliant. And I I think I've been in the same boat, right? There's been times where people ask me like, Hey, who do you know that does this? And because it's one person asking you know, I might know that that person's already kind of in the health and wellness space. So I'll try and pair them with someone who does that in the health and wellness space. But if it's not one person asking and I don't know that person very well, it's so much harder to give that that really good referral because when it comes down to it, they could be served by quite a few different people if you knew them better,
1: yes. It also is our reputation is on the line, too. So especially when it's, like, If one of my clients asks me for a referral, my reputation is on the line. Or if a colleague or someone that has mentored me or a neighbor, I, my reputation is part of this process. So I'm trying to make the best match possible. And, and I think that we need to realize what's happening out there in the world (laughs) beyond like us putting out content and doing these different things. People are asking for. There's a whole word of mouth thing happening. And so we need to think about how that works and how we can benefit from it. And the thing about specializing or niching is that they inform so many other things in your business. So it informs your website It informs which social channel or any that you might be on it. It informs, should you launch a podcast or not? Should you be on YouTube or not? It informs like what events you might want to go to and, I have some clients that don't even need to be on social media. All of their business is done through industry events or through referral and they do like nothing on social media. So I have other clients that um ha- don't have an email list because they don't need one for the type of work that they do and where their how their clients are looking for them. Yeah,
0: I I mean when it comes to knowing where your people are, it's so key. And I get this question probably as often as you do. <laughs> I mean, so do I have to be on Instagram? Like, do I have to be on TikTok? And there is no, you know, one set answer. And and I always like to remind people that, you know, like most of us became entrepreneurs of, of some sort, because we didn't want to fit in somebody else's box. But then we go and ask for advice as if we are in the box. And it's this weird thing, right? And- I don't know always how to explain that to people other than saying, I I can't give you the same answer that I give somebody else. I have to know more about your business
1: first. Yes. When TikTok came out, I didn't even, I no longer, I know for my business and the clients that I am trying to attract, they are not on TikTok. Might they play there? Yes. But they and their clients are not getting business through TikTok. So the only way I see TikTok is if it's on Instagram. <laughs> so that's just how I roll. And I remember when, do you remember when Clubhouse came out? Yes. Yes. I I have a former client and she boxered me and she's like, Natalie, there's this new thing called Clubhouse. I think you should get on there because uh, you have your podcast. You've had it for a long time. You're great with audio. And I I've learned to pause. So I've learned not to jump on the latest thing because for my business and my work and the women that I'm serving, they don't generally go to those new things and are at those places and in fact most of them have businesses that they don't have time to even be on those platforms so i i never got on clubhouse uh and i'm not on tiktok so and i'm i'm very close to not being on instagram at all just because i I get sucked into, they're so good with their algorithm. I get sucked into watching. I don't know what, and, um, I go there for business and I'm doing something else. Whereas LinkedIn feels like all business, 90% of my clients are there and it just is a lot less distracting for me. Um, but some of my clients, their businesses, Instagram, or their business is Pinterest. And that's that's where they're spending time and that's where their clients are and so as you said we it's not a blanket statement we can't give a blanket answer for any of these things to to someone
0: i think one of the best short stories that i can say to kind of inform how how i came to to just realize this for my own business for my own clients was my sister so we were all together uh, about a year ago my grandfather's memorial in michigan and it was the first time i'd really like spent like Close time with my my sisters and both of them together in, in a while. And uh, one of my sisters, they're, they're both firmly in the employee camp, by the way. They're not entrepreneurs, but one of them said, You know, um, I know everyone is like all down on like spending so much time on TikTok, but it's really stress relieving for me. And I just, I'll watch things. She's like, I bought like skincare products off of it. I've, you know, found like really good, you know, people showing like really good testimonials. You can tell it's not fake, it's not influencers and i just love it for that kind of stuff and i i was listening to this cuz i don't i don't particularly enjoy tiktok myself so i was listening to this and i was like i can see how some businesses would fly over there but my people are are probably more closely aligned to your people as my guess and like i don't enjoy spending time on that i don't i don't have a lot of extra time and if i do i'm reading realistically like my guilty pleasure which i refuse to actually feel guilt over by the way is is reading. I read a lot of books throughout the year. And i would rather do that than flip through videos. Also when i am watching videos i'm almost never listening to sound. And there's still a huge chunk of the segment out there that's not captioning their videos for whatever reason. So they just lose me as a as a person. And it's a really good way to remind people in general, clients or not, that there is a a time and place for you to be In an area and an arena, and that time and place is not going to be the same for the next person.
1: Yes, and if you're a generalist, you're really not going to know where you should be. It's not going to be clear to you. The more you narrow your business, the more you get clarity on all of these things. And when you get opportunities presented to you, you also know what to say yes or no to. So I often get invited to virtual summits to do them. It's my assistant knows knows it's an automatic no. I don't care who it is. I'm not doing it because my ideal client doesn't watch virtual summits. That's not what they do. And so it, I've learned over time that that's not a fit for my business. And so I have been able to create some space for myself and some just decisions that I don't even need to be a part of. And so, and even with uh, my podcast, I've learned that featuring my client, my own clients on my podcast and featuring and doing trainings. My audience wants to hear me teach and coach and my audience um, wants to hear success stories. And uh, so that's the focus of my podcast. So, but I wouldn't have known that when I first started it, I started off only interviewing people. I did like 150 interviews before I ever did a solo episode. So, uh, but it took me a long time. I also was, I was doing five episodes a week. If you can believe that. Wow. That was insane. I only did that for like four months, but still, that's how I got so many interviews done so fast. It was insane. It was a crazy workload.
0: That is a real commitment. Have, I have lots of questions about that. I don't want to off track. <laughs> us too much. But do you feel that that short-term commitment, you know, that, that, that big podcast run gave you a visibility boost? Do you feel like it gave you an authority boost?
1: No, I don't. I got very good at interviewing because I was doing it so fast. And I built a network. So as of right now, like you and I are getting connected, we are spending some quality time together. So we will have a special connection ongoing because of that, unless we just didn't connect at all. So, but we were making a connection we did beforehand, before we hit record, we connected on a key, a few things that we have in common, which was fun. And, but I, I learned what I was doing wasn't really helping the business. I didn't even have a business at that time. It was, it was 2014. I didn't know what I was doing. I was so just to be honest, like I, w- I know the first year of business exactly what I made because I made zero dollars. I was hoping to grow a, a, a podcast that I would get sponsorship from. And I can tell you, if you build it, they do not necessarily come. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I've learned the hard lesson. So now my business is a marketing tool for my programs. So I have a group coaching program that I run, and the podcast is designed to attract my ideal client to it. And funnel them
0: in that way, and then filter out the people who would not be a good fit for your programs, obviously. Correct. Correct. So when you're talking about learning over time, what is a good fit for for you and your people, right? You learned that virtual summits, for example, are not a good fit because your people don't have the the time or inclination of spending time watching those virtual summits is that because you realized through knowing your best client that they don't have time to be doing all these extra things or is that because you tried some virtual summits and they didn't pan out with
1: results like like how does someone shorten that learning piece in terms of virtual summits Personally, I found that a lot of people sign up for them and don't attend them all. And there's a lot of expectations that the host puts on the people presenting. There's usually, you need to send this many emails out and you need to, there's a lot of administrative things that go on behind the scenes that most attendees aren't aware of. And I ended up attracting people that were not my ideal client. Whereas if I can get people to listen to my podcast, they are going to. Either I'm attracting and repelling them. They either like my style or they don't. And if they continue to listen, I have built up trust with them. So I, I found the easiest way for me to market and sell. I market through my podcast. And I, when I get on sales calls, usually people already know they want to work with me. It's really just, we're just chatting. I'm answering a couple of questions. Let's get started. So I've, I've created this very easy way for me to sell and I would prefer, Brittany, like if you have a referral for me, I don't want you to refer them to my program. I want you to refer them to my podcast because I'd rather nurture them through my podcast. And so if I have to get on a cold sales call with someone that doesn't know me, I almost don't know what to do anymore. Can I make it happen? Probably. But I prefer to work with people and even people that come into my program, they already trust me as a coach. And so we dive in deep right away. I'm not having to spend a lot of time with them getting to know my philosophies and the way I coach and what I, I have some things that I think very differently than what is taught kind of in the online marketing space. And so I have less debrainwashing brainwashing to do of them. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, it took me a lot of time though. I will say it took me a lot of time. The, the best thing I can share is to really trust your intuition and to watch there's a lot of flashy things out there shiny happy tactics <laughs> yes shiny happy tactics you know i come from corporate and i have an mba and i have a base in actual business i worked for multiple companies i worked i've had multiple businesses and so i can see when things are shiny and it hurts my heart when other people can't but i think that in their intuition they know like there's no real get rich quick scheme in entrepreneurship Building a business takes time and you don't need the latest flashy business model. So I teach tried and true trusted business models. And I, I, I work with people that are doing done for you services. So they are doing great work. They are experts in what they do. And they're just needing help putting some of the, you know, back-end business things into place, getting help dealing with scope creep and mindset issues and raising their prices and hiring to get more time and getting out of overwhelm. So I guess I feel like I was able to sense things that didn't make sense to me (laughs) since I was able to see there's some things happening that don't, don't jive. like that does not make sense to me and people sharing stories, but not the full story. So a lot of, you know, I've been in this online space since before 2014, probably like 2010 watching the space and started my podcast in 2014. And there was a lot of There's all these trends that happen and the new latest thing that happens. And then they go away. It lasts like 18 months and it starts again, something new. Like a few years ago, it was challenges. Now it's, you know, it's like it, it rotates and there's always something new and people share a lot of the top line of what they're doing and not the actual profit. And they're not sharing all that goes into making their money. So I think that no matter what your business acumen is, that if you trust your intuition, and don't just go with what the latest guru is teaching and telling you to do, to really look at what is working in your business. Where did your clients come from? How can you do more of what is working in your business? That's probably my best advice on that.
0: Well, before we wrap up, I know you mentioned that your audience loves learning from stories and success stories, and mine's the same. You know how How do we actually implement this in an actual real world way? So I'd love to hear just a story of that specialized niching that that we've been talking about and how, how it actually panned out in the real world. And, and I don't know if you have a story prepped here since I'm totally putting you on the spot, but maybe even where we're really leaning into someone's intuition
1: gave them some
0: clues into that result.
1: I can share my own story and it comes back to that Elizabeth again, calling me out. So <laughs> I'll share... So when I started this program, it was at the end of 2019 and I really had figured out where I coached the best. So I have coached, you know, in the last nine years, people that are thinking about starting a business like they're in corporate. I've coached women that are, have multi seven figure businesses. And where I figured out I fit best is helping women go from multi five figures to multi six figures in revenue. And my goal is to help them pay themselves eight to $10,000 a month. I want women to have a market-based wage and profit in their business. So that's kind of the premise of my passion and what I'm trying to do. So when I launched this program, it was for anyone making any any women entrepreneur making three K or more a month in revenue. So there were product businesses in there, there were service businesses, there were physical locations, like therapists who had a physical location, there were marketers, there were interior designers who are really product and service businesses, which confuses a lot of people. And over over time, so we're we're building this program, and I'm talking a lot about specializing and niching and helping my clients do this, and Elizabeth, of course, does one of her. So can I ask you a question, Natalie? You know, we're spending a lot of times helping our clients and specialize, but your program isn't really specialized. Oh, Elizabeth, you got me again. So she was so right. And so I had to really do some hard work and coach myself and think about that and really think about who this program was the best, best fit for. And my work background is an international PR firm, a market research agency. I worked for a general contractor, which is not who I want to work with. Um, And then I I also, after I got my MBA, I was a management consultant and my ex-husband had a law firm. it was a lawyer. So I know a lot about law firms in that, that arena. I've had a lot of friends that are CPAs. And so I realized that what I was wanting, what I was best at helping build and what was my actual background in observing and being part of was more of this agency model. And so helping women to build a business that was that fit an agency model that provided freedom because it's a business you can do from anywhere Uh, and letting go of my I love working with all the therapists, but they have physical locations, they have insurance, they can't scale. The only way to scale is with team. And I like to help people scale with strategy. So that is when I realized that I wanted to focus and I, and I was, and you heard me say, I started to say coaches because I've, I really stopped working with coaches as well. I find that that marketplace is very saturated right now. And it's, I, I can't get them the fa- as fast a results as I can, my marketers, consultants, and financial professionals. So I've dropped working with coaches and it was hard because they're in our group and these other people are scaling faster and they're scaling slower. And they were, and everyone now is B2B in the group. So we had some B2C in there too. So that was me taking my own medicine and it's been amazing. My clients, they, they understand each other's businesses so well and they're coaching each other and it's just incredible the difference it's made in terms of that program.
0: Well, and plus, I don't know exactly how you run your coaching program, but I've always found being in a program with people who have vastly different businesses than me means that when there's Q&A time or like, hey, let's dive deep into this particular problem that you're facing, if the business is so different from mine, I don't learn as much from that Or, or even if I could learn something from that, I immediately have this wall up and I'm like, well, sure, that works for them, but I run you know, and it it just creates a lot of unnecessary
1: blocks. And for for me, at least that's like my personal experience. It does. The thing that made the turn for me was clients giving each other advice that wasn't great advice because they didn't understand that person has a physical location. They have a lease, they have insurance, like they didn't understand that. And then it was really hard to let go of the interior designers because I love working with them, but my other clients didn't understand that their revenue included like product and a markup on product. So it just, and, and they're again, the, when they would ask questions, it would be very different. My answer to them versus someone in a completely different field. So now everybody is really has a similar base business model that they're understanding. And so there's a lot of uh, great flow in it. So we usually have anywhere from 50 to 80 women in the program. It kind of fluctuates. We're at like 55, 60 right now. And I know all their businesses. We have automations done in the back end so that we we collect data from them every month on how they're doing in, in their business. And we analyze it separately offline. It's a very high touch program compared to a lot of people sell a coaching program, but they're not actually coaching in it. I sell a coaching program that I actually coach in. I know all my clients. I know their businesses. I know where they live. I do not know their kids names. But I do know their businesses. (laughs) I mean, we can't expect, uh, you know, like telepathy.
0: (laughs) You already said earlier in the show that you prefer referrals to your podcast. So I'm going to ask you to just, you know, as we close up here, share where people can find out more about you, how you think and
1: how you help people. Yes, I would love if they're listening to us here to pop on over to the Biz chicks podcast. It, we spell chicks with an X. So it's B-I-Z-C-H-I-X. Like for Biz chicks Podcast. Um, follow, subscribe, and connect with me there. And then also if you're on LinkedIn and want to connect there, please, you know, let me know that you were listening to Brittany and I here and uh connect with me. So I have a lot of conversations there. It's where I spend like 95% of my social media time and have a lot of fun there.
0: Very good. Well, Natalie, this has been Awesome. I so appreciate your time, but also thanks for going down like the deep rabbit holes of thought with me because this was fun.
1: It was fun for me too. I loved it. I love, uh, I love talking about this and also love is that people can apply it, you know, to themselves today. And so maybe that's like a call to action is to think about your own business. And maybe you're like me and you thought you were kind of specialized, but you were still broad and, uh, and take a step and see if there's any way you could specialize or niche your business. It will, I promise. I guarantee your business will be easier and more profitable. Awesome. Thanks.
0: All right, friends. I hope you enjoyed that. My goal with any guest I bring on the show is to give you ideas, but not just ideas, because let's be honest, we all have plenty of those. I want to give you ideas you can turn around and implement. And I love how Natalie ended our interview with the story about not just how She teaches these things, but how she got called out by an employee of hers, by someone she trusts, saying, hey, you teach this, but you're not really owning up to it. And I think, I don't know about you, friends, but I do this all the time. I know how things should be, but it's like a bit cobbler's son not having shoes. I have struggled for so long with calling out what my specialized niche is, and I've been for months now going round and round with my coaches, who are my people in one soundbite. Can I describe them in a paragraph? I can, but I want a soundbite. And Natalie actually stayed on the line with me after we ended our interview and we kind of worked through some stuff. I've got some new ideas and I'm really excited about them moving forward. So how's that for the real deal? Not only did Natalie take a moment, step back and say, you know what? I am not living what I teach here," And she took care of it for her own business with great results, as you've heard but she walks around and just kind of, you know, nudges a little here, pushes a little there and teases it out of me as well, even in an off the cuff manner like that. I don't know if I can give a better glowing review to what a great guest she is than that right there. With that friends, I'll see you next week. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams, and we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.